Hey everyone, we'll get going in just a second. All right, everyone, welcome to Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. Uh, I do various things. Uh, oh, I think I just stole that from uh, Camille Foster. But I do do various things. Uh, podcast, blockchainporter.org. Check out my newsletter at jessesingle.substack.com. Uh, a lot going on. Uh, this is mostly going to be free form. Get in the queue if you have any questions or comments. I just want to complain a little because I'm really sort of um, just frustrated with the state of like liberal spaces. This probably won't be news to anybody, but just the number of like snowballing meltdowns. There was Ben Shapiro causing great harm by showing up at a podcasting convention. There was the American Historical Association having a meltdown because someone criticized uh, presentism, as he called it. It just seems like, um, in my view, and having written a little bit about like far-right online wackiness, there have been some real issues on this front on the right for a while, and I've been aware of them, but they don't really affect me because I overwhelmingly move in liberal circles. And uh, I still feel like the vast majority of my friends are normal or like acquaintances, family, I know very few people who have gone crazy, but it seems like some people have gone crazy and maybe, perhaps more importantly, um, maybe there were always 10% crazy people, but institutions used to have like bulwarks against them. Like if you complained to a podcasting convention that Ben Shapiro was there, they'd say, yep, Ben Shapiro is a very popular podcaster. He, uh, the Daily Wire bought a booth. This thing where you you issue a statement about how you're sorry about the harm you caused. And the American Historical Association guy, James Sweet, did the same thing. Um, I was just very, very wrong when in like 2015, I, I was sort of in the cohort of folks saying this is just weird college students. We don't need to worry about it. It's sort of everywhere. I mean, there's obviously pushback to it. Obviously, people ridicule it when it gets exposed. It's not going to... It's not the end of the world and the pendulum will swing back and in a few cases already has. I'm just like, I'm really tired of it because I um, I don't know. I think uh, to the extent any of us can explain why we're drawn to our political beliefs, in my case, it was like, I sort of like the idea of like a certain toughness and I always viewed, especially in the 90s and aughts, um, conservatives as like very fragile like conservatives would complain about, you know, public schools not being explicitly religious about Christian, even though you're not supposed to have explicit religion in public places. They would freak out over rap music lyrics, although obviously there were some uh, DLC Tipper Gore types also doing that. Uh, like the South Park movie, when it came out, it was such a big deal because it, it, it really was like a fuck you to this this conservative establishment, but again, both Republican and sort of like center left Clinton types. And there was this sense of fighting the censors and, and fighting fundamentalists that I really liked and just seeing all this stuff flood over liberal spaces. And again, I'm not that old yet, so I only have a limited perspective. There have been waves of this. The left has always been at the left's own throat. There have always been these meltdowns. There have always been crazy people. It just seems like social media has empowered it. And maybe the biggest single factor is concept creep and harm inflation where <clears> – <throat> It's just a very bad sign that like the, these these big institutions need to pretend they're causing harm by having there be disagreement. It's just it's incredibly corrosive. 
I would recommend everyone read Ryan Grimm's uh, Intercept article from... I, I can't do time anymore. Somewhere between one and a million months ago, Ryan Grimm wrote a really good article explaining how all these progressive groups are having meltdowns. Everyone knows it's happening. Grimm's article like totally jived with what I hear from from my friends in the progressive world. Uh, you know, I'm talking about people who 2017 or 2019 had no interest in culture war stuff, and they would like look at my Twitter feed and be like, "I can't follow any of this." But now, in a certain sense, this stuff has come to the workplace. The meltdowns have come to them. So. All this stuff just sucks. It's it's just not what I signed up for. It's just the humorlessness, the uh, the meltdowns, the whining, the incredible, the extent to which fragility is incentivized. Like, if if your goal is to change the world through podcasting, I mean, first of all, that's kind of funny. You're not going to change the world through podcasting. But if you're the sort of person who wants to change the world through podcasting, and the sight of Ben Shapiro, just like the scent of him across the con uh, the convention space from you gets your heart fluttering like and and you start to have a panic attack or whatever you need to take care of your mental health first like something is wrong with you and i i mean that i am pathologizing that because something's wrong with you 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 don't like i've had people very close to me with mental health problems they're debilitating but if that's really your response to something like ben shapiro sharing a space with you space with you you're not going to be able to improve the world until you take care of your own shit. And people, I'm not a bootstraps guy. I don't like bootstraps discourse for the most point, part, but there's like some truth to it. There's some truth to the idea that it's on you. If you can't handle being in the same zip code as Ben Shapiro, that's on you. You need to deal with that. The world is not going to reshape itself around your preference to not be in the same zip code as Ben Shapiro. So just like, I don't know, grow up, like find, it's not easy to find a therapist, but they can be found. They can help you with something like that. I don't know. I'd be very negative and judgmental, but this shit is just wearing on me. Anyway, Jacob, cheer me up. Hey, Jesse. So, yeah, on that point about Ben Shapiro, I noticed that the webpage for the first Blockner reported live event does not outline a strategy for how you would handle the appearance of Ben Shapiro for a few minutes or the entirety of the event. Well, in our latest episode, we do talk about how everyone who comes see us live, we're going to delouse them at the end of the show to kill all the cooties. So we have we have a protocol in the place. We haven't yet built specific protocols for, you know, if Ben Shapiro shows up or Matt Taibbi, different potential. Which one would be which one would be worse though? I mean, they're both fucking Nazis. So either one of them would put all of us at risk. Or like Glenn Greenwald, can you imagine? So we cool. need different protocol. We're we're spending yes. $20,000 developing contingency plans for different forms of harm that could befall our audience. Well, Glenn is safely in Brazil, so hopefully that will be a non-issue. For now, yeah. But yeah. Is there a live event for the New York City area in the works at all? Uh, we are hoping to lock that down soon, yes. That's our next priority. The, the D.C. or Arlington one... Yeah, we were just able to uh, lock that down first, so that uh, was the one we announced first. Gotcha. But yeah, it's like sort of funny to see the Ben Shapiro rhetoric this weekend, because friends of mine who are extremely left-wing ran into him at a high-end restaurant in South Florida last night, and it, from the sound of it, it sounded like seeing him in the dining room almost ruined their own $250 dinner. Oh, I hope they're doing okay. I'm so sorry that happened to them. Yeah, they, they they seem to have survived, except for their $250 dinner bill, but... 
Right. I just thought it was kind of humorous that just after the Ben Shapiro showing up at a conference discourse, he, he ruined the dinner. Friends mm-hmm. dinner. Exactly. Yeah. Although I will say, like being a person who actually does spend a fair amount of time in right wing spaces, albeit usually Manhattan Republicans who are not exactly the kinds of Republicans you'll find in the rest of the country, I do find them to be a lot more open and welcoming than a lot of the left-wing spaces I've been in. Well, I think that's probably similar to how, you know, the five liberal people who live in a very red town in Texas probably have to be a little bit more open-minded just because, like, they don't have another option, right? Manhattan's one of the bluest places in the country. Yes, it is. And I don't know if you heard, but several weeks ago, the Federalist Society hosted a book talk with Bill Barr, and there was a wide sea of protesters outside who were quite loud and quite angry. And inside, there actually were a handful of brave Democrats who were just like, oh, well, Bill Barr was the attorney general twice, and he probably saw some interesting shit. I wonder what he has to say. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> it's a good approach. Yeah, and like those obviously by no means anywhere near the majority. It was probably a few people in a crowd of, I don't know, a hundred and change, but there was nobody who was like, oh, you're a liberal. Why are you here? It was like, oh, cool. Welcome to the Federalist Society. I hope you have fun. Yeah, that seems like a healthier way to go about it for sure. Yeah, and like I've like been in like some very left wing spaces. Like I've gone to DSA events where there's like it's just assumed that you're at the minimum a centrist Democrat, if not a full on DSA member. Like it's just assumed that nobody in that room is even could even remotely possibly be construed as a Republican or a conservative. Yeah. It's uh it's not a good impulse. Uh anything else, Jacob? Uh, no, I just like the, thought that was sort of interesting. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank, thank you, Jacob. Have a good night. You too. AJ, aka Pope, what's up? I, uh, <clears throat> can you hear me? I can, yeah. Hey, how are you keeping no scoop? Oh, no scoop, yeah. No, uh, this uh, guy on Twitter who I got in a fight with because I'm a moron called me no, Jesse No Scoop Single. It was very hurtful. God, this I was trying not to talk about it, but like just tweet after tweet after tweet, arguing with everyone in my mentions, and then this was last night, and then at like one thirty PM today he tweets something to one of them that makes it clear he has not read the article that he's mad about. I don't what is the point of this happens chronically. What is the point of being this mad and, and performing this much anger about something you haven't read? Yeah, it was very interesting. I, I never uh, heard of this guy before, uh, Jason Wilson. Yeah, He's like with Hate Speech, is it, or some SPLC group? Uh, hate Watch, yeah. Hate, hate Watch. Uh, but yeah, I just saw your interactions with him on Twitter there. And uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Nobody like, look uh, at this. It'll make you much dumber. Well, like, I thought you were doing really well, you know, uh, with your Twitter abstinence. And then it just reminded me of, you know, that Godfather line, like, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me pulled back, me back in. in. They yeah. pulled you back in. For I was that. not I was happy with myself about that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna stop talking to this guy, but Jesus Christ, what a moron. Or yeah, actually, maybe, maybe he's smart. Maybe he's smart, but just on Twitter, everyone's a fucking idiot. Anyway. Do you, do you know what I really like? I really like the fact that I just noticed that uh, Barack Obama is following him. So I just like the thought of Obama scrolling through <laughs> and at him dunking on you constantly oh god that's all i need but i think but one thing i'll just say about this just observing the interaction like he hasn't 
engaged with the substance of your argument at all and won't in any way, shape, or form. That's what's weird for hours. Like, it's one thing if you just want to, like, do a drive-by dunk to try to, like, I don't know, get some points. But, I mean, you agree that that's weird even by Twitter standards, right? Just all the, the, the... Mixing it up with like all these people in my mentions without any engagement with anything I actually said. It's it's anyway. It's well, like, it seems to me that like the reason he won't is because like he's he's like made a very firm judgment about you already. Like and you're essentially an unperson. Your opinions right. like I think he said you were like a lie. You know everything you say is a lie basically. Like and why would you read it and believe anything you write because it's all bullshit anyway. So that's why he won't engage them because it's presumed it's going to be lies anyway. Or it's well that right. and also like I do I have because I'm on Twitter too much. I have 120 thousand followers. So anytime there's controversy, some of them will say dumb annoying shit and he can cherry pick the dumb annoying shit uh and do guilt by association rather than engage with the like five thousand word article i wrote that went into the stuff in depth so it's very it's all stupid everything's stupid is the lesson here yeah he's really enjoyed calling a lot of your followers uh or people who are engaging with him mentally ill and that they need to seek medical attention and he's really dunking on you for this for calling for some reason i have no idea what that <laughs> he was, was very obsessed with call- <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think he said you were a charlatan. So maybe he just views Colin as like a charlatan communing with the mentally ill, and it's just like an abomination in his mind. Like, I mean, I am a charlatan. I'm definitely a charlatan, yeah. but you have to at least use the stuff I've written to prove my charlatanism. So, and I am ringing you from a psych ward right now, like so. He is right on a, about exactly. a couple of things. Fair yeah. Yeah. All right. Good luck to you. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Patrick. What's up? Uh, hey, Jesse. Can you hear me? I can. Uh, nothing much. Uh, yeah, liberal spaces. Very tiresome. Uh, so, I guess what I would say is, is that, like, I I feel like there is a slight sea change, uh, the vibe shift happening, at least in terms of kind of day-to-day operations. I'm in uh, the Bay Area, where you can kind of see, like, people on, like, an individual level, when you kind of talk to them in private, or just kind of along the lines of, like, maybe all this, like, kind of weird language policing we're doing doesn't actually have, like, the actual effect of what we, of what we actually want. But I think that might be more of, like, a hidden tribes kind of thing, where I think people are happy to say that behind closed doors, but would never do so publicly, where uh, they could be pilloried by the small population about it, which is kind of tires... It, I don't necessarily know that that's not going to stop, uh, kind of change things permanently as long as uh, the people with uh, obvious uh, issues are running the asylum, so to speak. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I've, I, like I said, I've had a lot of offline conversations with people who uh, are tired of some of this for sure. So hopefully the vibe shift will continue or accelerate. Oh, uh, well, if you want a little bit of kind of insider gossip, one of my close friends actually works for the ACLU. And in terms of uh, basically uh, people with kind of uh, other kind of mental disorders, uh, she was telling us, uh, the group of friends over uh, a past couple weekends ago, that basically everyone who works there has some kind of anxiety disorder or something along those lines. And I point blank asked her, I was like, do you think it's maybe healthy for you to be working around that many other people who also have like such like kind of clear, as you described, like anxiety disorder? And she's like, probably not, but it's doing the work <laughs> that I want to do. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a lot of activist types probably have 
something wrong with him. I'm I'm certainly not normal myself, but uh, yeah, I can see that maybe not being that healthy. Well, I mean, I think no one's normal in the sense of the fact that everyone has mental health issues because mental health is like sickness or the flu. You have to, if you get depressed, you have depression, but it's just uh, whether or not it persists for a long period of times. Right. I think one of the problems is that people kind of persist and make these things into their identities, which is <laughs> counterintuitive to kind of getting better. There was just a good um, – Freddie DeBoer just went on Mike Pesca's podcast to debate that stuff with someone. I found it very interesting. I'll have to check that out. I saw, I think, NPR recently uh, published something on why resilience is actually bad, and maybe you should just kind of wallow. Wait, and NPR said resilience was bad? I think I saw something on that. It was uh, basically they talked to a clinical – Oh, my God. Why you should stop complimenting people for being resilient? Okay, so there's a – I'll, I'll list 23 minutes. I don't know if I will listen to this. Um, oh, my God. Within, like, three paragraphs, I want to blow my brains out. Uh, so yeah, the, yeah. there's, like, there's a there's a steel man argument against resilience research because there's, like, some quackishness there. But this just looks uh, pretty bad. Well, I mean, there's a lot of quackishness in psychology to be general. Like, I don't think there's any actual kind of proof that, like, we inherit our trauma from our ancestors. That would be insane, given the entire nature of, like, how bad people have been to each other. We would all be, like, lying on the ground if we all inherited each other's trauma like that. This is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Like, they talk about how you're not allowed to cry anymore. You know that's how neoliberalism works, right? Yeah, it's it's neoliberalism's fault. They had, um... Really good mental health. They were really open about stuff in East Germany. I hate this shit, man. Anyway, how dare you bring this? How br- dare you bring this into my online home? Uh, sorry about it, um, but uh, just know that you don't have to do anything to get better, Jesse. <laughs> I'm just gonna wallow in my unhappiness that you showed me this. Thank you, Patrick. All right, later, Josh. What's up, Josh? Hello. Can you hear me? I can now. What's up? Oh, hey, Jesse Single. Great to see you talk to you rather yeah i'm a student at uc santa barbara you've i think you you visited ucsb right at one point i think you tweeted about it i did i was on a little california road trip in february and i spent a couple nights in santa barbara which was one of the more beautiful places i've been in the states uh i read some amazing stuff about the housing issues there with like uc students ucsb students having to like sleep in trailers and shit like they just apparently won't build new housing under any circumstances yeah, it's a nightmare. Actually, a billionaire is donating $200 million to build, like, a mega dorm that has no windows. And the school's going to do it. <laughs> Wait, a windowless mega dorm? Yeah, you can look it up. It'll be, like, right next to that incredible beach, but you just can't see anything? Yeah, it's called awesome. Munger Hall. Charles Munger is going to oh do everything. Oh, my God. That's yeah, amazing. It's incredible. Anyway. Uh, so you were, a, you were a philosophy major in college, right? I was a poor philosophy major, yes. I was wondering, do you have any thoughts on free will, if it exists? Oh, wow. Uh, I could probably resolve this in the next minute or two. Um, I, you know what? I, I haven't dove into philosophical treatments enough to be informed. I'm very skeptical of it. Um, and it makes me sad that I'm skeptical of it, because, of course, I'd like to, us to have free will. I just I don't feel like I have a much of a grasp on what it really would mean to have free will, because, like... We're always subjected to so many cognitive illusions and illusions about our intentions and our goals. And um, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, I feel like it could be very 
easily the case that we're being yoked around without knowing it, but this is not a sophisticated answer. These are just my intuitions about it. Are you a, are you a free will bro? No, I think I'm basically in the same position, although I'm a little more optimistic about it. I think there could just be positives in the sense that it's a little easier to forgive people and to understand people who do bad things, just given that they are just a product of their environment. Yeah, it would obviously, I mean, I think people are very drawn. I think it's one of those things where it's hard to decouple it because if free will wasn't true, uh, or if we didn't have free will, I'm sure there's some complicated philosophical arguments for why it's still okay to, for example, punish people, but it, sure. it definitely makes that more fraught and it definitely makes it feel weird. So I think like the, the deck is stacked in the sense that everyone wants to believe it. Yeah, definitely. So I also have a completely unrelated question. I've been trying to broaden my political media consumption. Are there any like mainstream conservatives that you find are in the media that are like reasonable people worth listening to? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, David French. Well, he's not mainstream, though. I mean, you can't have voted for Joe Biden and be a mainstream. Right. Okay. So you mean ones who voted for Trump? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I I mean, I guess that is mainstream conservatism now. You're right. Yeah, I don't think you can vote for Democrats and be a mainstream. conservative. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I gotta say, I feel like the cabinet is pretty bare at the moment. Like I, I think J.D. Vance went crazy or like chose to go crazy to become a, you know, nationally competitive Republican politician. I really liked his book and I thought his book was an example of like, you know, a book a liberal can read to understand that worldview a little bit better. Um, And then this isn't a conservative author, but I I learned like everyone else, I learned a huge amount from strangers in their own land, um, you know, which is just – sociologist really getting to know this community of Louisianans in Lake Charles, which is this like nightmarishly polluted place run by the oil industry, but they all support the oil industry and hate the EPA. And it's like that book really left an impact on me. Um, but in terms of, I just got to say, I, I Trumpy mainstream intellectual types. I just, I'm pretty, have a pretty strong aversion to them. And maybe that's, an allergy I'm going to have to get over, but I'm just not really aware of folks where I'm like, yeah, they make really good points. These are really interesting arguments. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't have much for you there. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same place, but it's just a sad state of affairs. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, so I think a lot of the, I had, I had someone come at me, not come at me, but very, I criticized Trump and, thought people were being scammed by him. And I said so in my newsletter. And and someone who seems reasonable was very mad at me in my comments because she said, I've spent a lot of time with Trump supporters. I, you know, I don't think you're being fair. I think they really see someone in him who will support them and who cares about them. And I sort of hit a wall because I just fundamentally think they're being conned in the sense that I don't think Donald Trump cares about working people. I think he cares about attention and acclaim and can fake a sort of monkey-like empathy so i'm not i don't know if there's like that much more to explain if that makes sense and maybe that's why i don't really seek out trumpy voices uh it could be that i'm not being fair or charitable here but it's like i don't know is there that much mystery left about like who donald trump is or why people like it yeah uh, probably i think honestly probably not so yeah yeah, I do. I did. I mean, just a final point. Like, I do think on paper it's weird when people point out like this guy has the support of forty percent of the country, and um, 
you know, was president. And when you look at how few New York Times opinion articles were written by pro-Trump folks, I, I think that's actually a fair point. I think they should have mixed in more of them. Uh, but yeah, overall, I just, I don't know. I don't know. But how I much think more. I'm actually on their side of that, just given that, like, I also can't think of, a, of anyone in the media who is a Trump supporter who I think has something interesting to say. Right. Yeah. So I don't think we well, can really blame the New York Times for that. Maybe not, but maybe it's their job to like, you know, they have the resources to seek out folks who could say that and maybe they should. And, you know, like when I listen to, if you interview Steve Bannon the right way, you can learn about Steve Bannon's strategies or Stephen Miller. Um, I don't consider them intellectuals. I consider them reactionaries. And I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking myself in circles here, but yeah, I just, I don't, I don't think Trumpism is intellectually interesting, frankly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Payton, what is up? Payton, how's it going? Got to unmute yourself. I will jump to Lemon Party. Oh, Payton, I'll get you next, Payton. Oh, Sorry about that. Oh, wait. Lemon Party, what's up? Hey. Can you hear me? Wait, can you hear me? I, I can. There we go. There we go. All right. Yeah. Uh, regarding to my press, first of all, hey, Jesse, hope your week is going well. Um, to Josh, my predecessor, if you're looking for a good uh, conservative pundit, albeit he, did, I'm doubting he voted for Trump. George Will's pretty solid dude. I don't agree with a, a good chunk of what he says, but he he's very smart. I mean, I like him. Yeah, he's sort of a, a, a legendary conservative columnist. I haven't yeah. read enough of him, but he's 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 not he's definitely not dumb. He's not that. He's. I mean, he's scary smart. He kind of reminds me of my my. I know it sounds dumb, but he reminds me of my. Uh, my mom, my my uncle on my mother's side, who's just like he w- went to Princeton, helped disarm the CUSSR, is now living in Germany. I mean, he's scary smart, and it's, I use all, I, the term. I'm not using it as an ableist sense, but autistic, and he has a very specific interest in international affairs. But if you talk about like cultural stuff, you're going to lose him. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, the other thing I would say is the only thing I would disagree with, like in terms of Trump, he had some. Are you familiar with that click hole meme? The worst person you know makes a great point. Yeah. He was like that guy who made uh, it's like the broken clock thing. Uh, Trump turned out to be right about Germany's dependence on Russian gas. Again, I'm not defending him. I'm not saying he's a good person. Or yeah. <laughs> look, George, George George W. Bush apparently had pretty good AIDS in Africa policy. So all these guys have a thing or two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, essentially, I just want to see uh, what move. I'm just curious what move. What uh? Let's see. I, the, regarding the culture war stuff on the internet, I really haven't been following too much uh, aside from that one scandal you t- talked about with the AHA. Beyond that, it's just like some scam- Sam Hyde kerfuffle on Twitter against Sam Piker and something about uh, Keffels versus Kiwi Farms, and that just—it's just like those are both like uh, Spanish Civil War where neither side comes out looking good. Yeah, who's uh? Right. I guess Keffels is like the Soviet Union sending infiltrators to fuck with the uh, resistance. to. Fr- I don't even know how to parse that. But yes, yeah, it's I, not. I, there, yeah. it, a lot of these have a you're not even sure who to root for aspect to them. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I guess I, I have some sympathies with Kiwi Farms, but at the same time, I can't pretend Kiwi Farms hasn't enabled some pretty fu- MLS profanity of pretty some yeah. fucked up shit. Yeah. No, they have. I mean, it's just it's. Um, as we've said on the podcast, it's just an oversimplification to be like a 
they exist to harass people when 90% of what they do is just posting shit people posted themselves and made fun of it. And B, they, they actually don't have a political orientation. They really, they're drawn to wherever the drama is, which includes plenty of right-wing whackers. Yeah, I mean, is my is, view. It, it just reminds me of classic 4chan from the late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah, it's an but outgrowth it of that. It's really right-wing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, def- I'm not defending it. I mean, let's be honest. There was some apolo- abhorrent shit that definitely needs to be called out. It's just that it, at this point, even Keffels has done some questionable things where it just seems like it's that old quote, be careful when you when you fight monsters and or you'll become a monster yourself when you stare in the yeah. abyss. And stare, you know. Anyways, that's, I mean, uh, good luck for you and Katie in trying to find some new stuff. I'm hoping... <laughs> I, I actually, I, I take that back. You guys will have plenty of content. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, and I'll let you get going after this. Uh, what, I'm just curious, what movies, TV shows are you watching? Because my brother just talked to me about the House of Dragons. I wasn't sure what you guys were watching. Um, God, I really like the, the Anarchists on HBO. I thought it was a really interesting and sad documentary about this attempt at like um, sort of mini libertarian utopia in Acapulco, which gets sort of invaded by crypto bros you can imagine how that went uh i'm like halfway through the netflix documentary about john mcafee which is like fascinating he's such a weird dude Um, i mean i've watched several of those mini docs about him i mean the guy literally he's colorful to say the least oh he's it's it's just a crazy story and uh I think the best thing I've seen lately is the rehearsal. Like everyone's freaking out about the rehearsal and I, I love it. I went in as a big Nathan Fielder fan before I am though. So. All right. Well, that, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I guess I'll let you get going. Otherwise, thank you very much for your time. You have a good day. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, before Peyton starts, I should be clear. I did not mean to apply like all out neutrality in the Spanish civil war context. I am obviously not a fan of Franco and would have been on the other side, but yes, there were, uh, there was some complexity there. George Orwell's book on that homage to Catalonia is awesome. I read it recently at the same time I was watching this, um, documentary about the Spanish civil war, which I continue to know very little about now that I have made clear. I do not like Franco paid and go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was also watching the anarchists, uh, on HBO, which was fantastic. Hey, something's uh, up with your mic. Can you get it uh, closer or plug something in or something? Uh, any better now? Yeah, you were also watching what? Uh, any better now? Yeah, much better. What were you watching uh, on HBO? I was also watching The Anarchists on HBO. Oh, yeah. That's and great. that was, yeah, that was insane. I, I won't spoil anything for people who haven't watched it, but uh, just like how the crypto boom and then bust just like helped and then destroyed that community was, was insane. Um, but anyways, I wanted to say, um, I was definitely going to say you guys on the podcast on BarPod should definitely try to look at like other topics that aren't just like the same structure, like aren't, oh, look at this institution. Uh, some leftist people there had a meltdown. Yeah. Some people got canceled on Twitter. It's like the same episode again and again and again. No, I'm worried. I'm worried about but, that because you could do those forever. Uh, we might, we might do one just on like, Neither myself nor Katie know anything about Andrew Tate, but all of a sudden he's everywhere and he's this phenomenon. And to me, that's the kind of thing we should do more of, just like explaining this internet thing that might not have a clear culture war valence to it. Yeah, like, okay, my favorite BarPod episode ever, this is probably niche and goes back a while, but it's like the shape rotators and, and, and word cells. Word cells, yeah. Remote, yeah, because like that, I, I hadn't heard of that. And like, just like, yeah, that kind of explainer episode, I think, like, works a lot better. 
than just like, here's this disaster uh, that you guys should, because I, I feel like it almost makes things, makes things worse. Like I know it's not y'all's like, intention, but it almost like adds fuel to the fire. Um, yeah. and it like, we're all just like watching and ogling at this train wreck, but I feel like more of us, like everyone needs to just look away from these controversies because it just feeds them, um, and makes everyone's mental health worse, honestly. So just like keep engaging with these ridiculous internet things that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, so I'm with you to an extent. I mean, that is sort of our business model. I think it's warranted. <laughs> You know, if like a major um, professional organization is having a meltdown, I think there's some news value in it. I do. There are definitely ones that are too small that we can we should ignore. Uh, yeah, there was just one last week that I don't want to go anywhere near because it involves someone who had like a manic meltdown on Twitter, and I don't want to okay. touch that shit. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, one last thing is I wanted to say, uh, in terms of good conservative thinkers, uh, someone asked that earlier, uh, is you should look into Peter Robinson's podcast. Uh, he works at the Hoover Institute at Stanford and, uh, has some pretty interesting, uh, like more, more Bush era conservatives, but which funnily seem like extremely intelligent relative to today's Trumpian <laughs> conservatives. Yeah. Um, but, it, but he's like, he, he's like really smart and, deals with issues pretty well and i mean there's some stuff about like anti-woke stuff but there's also just a lot of like concrete policy things which i thought was kind of refreshing so yeah yeah look i i I, um i always need to do a better job like uh seeking out conservative intellectuals and i didn't mean to give the impression i don't it's just in terms of the uh Trumpism has not been kind to like smart people in the conservative movement. And most of the, I think as the caller was suggesting, most of the smarter conservatives are not, uh, Trumpy, but, uh, uh, Robinson, you said at, at Hoover, Hoover Institute. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Trumpism is like anti-intellectualism. Right. Exactly. It's like incredibly, yeah. so like it, it's like intellectual godfathers are like, okay, Steve, Steve Bannon, um, I actually, I was going to cite Victor Orban in sort of a derogatory way. I read a speech of his oh, that was like terrifying. It was like, he must have a good speech writer, but I, I read it and it's about basically hungry be, being beset on all sides by these globalist forces. I was like, holy shit, man, this is why fascism works. So Orban at least knows what he, he obviously knows what he's doing. Anyway, and, that's a, uh, and, and, and he's, his someone, uh, like his brother or someone is like someone related to him. I don't remember, but is speaking at some like conservative conference, like coming up like major American conservative conference. I mean, um, American conservatives, a lot of them love Orban now. Yeah. They will go over. I mean, this is like the Rod Dreher thing. It's, it's creepy as hell. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Jesse. Just, I'm glad I've been able to clarify that I'm against Franco and I'm against Orban. Resolving a lot of unanswered questions. Neil, you will be the last caller. Hey, Jesse. So I was wondering if you saw the update to the Carl Anderson situation where the uh, University of Manchester released a statement. Update. They said they're... I forget if it was you who posted this or someone else. They're basically inve- they're pulling, retracting the paper and literally maybe investigating with the police. Yeah, yeah. So I emailed you the uh, the update, but basically they're cooperating with the Greater Manchester Police uh, investigation, yeah. quote, to see if, establish what, if any offensive offenses have been committed in the UK or elsewhere. No, or elsewhere is kind of strange to me, but uh, yeah. That, so sounds, like, that sounds like a bit, my, I mean, I guess they, from their point of view, they're just covering their ass. It seems mm-hmm. you're going to investigate him for reading weird Japanese magazines when he was in Japan. Yeah, it's a bit strange. So actually, in the update, they also they also say, um, "quote Where is it? 
there's like they say there's conflicting information about where he was when he wrote the uh, journal. Oh, interesting. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. So I think I think he was either in Japan and or Germany, right? Because that's the that's because he was in Berlin before. So it's oh, interesting. Like, and in in both two, places, two, e- would be two fine. equally perverted countries. <laughs> I think Japan probably beats Germany. I don't know. Yeah, no. it's a, not a lot of people can beat German perversion, but if, if anyone can pull that off, it's the Japanese. Yeah. And then another interesting detail from the update was that they said that um, they had reju- rejected his research design for his PhD from like way before the controversy, actually. From, oh, from in like June, they had rejected his research design. So that was like an interesting note. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Anyway. Rejected specifically by the ethics committee. So I'm not sure what he proposed exactly. But, oh, so he proposed something uh, different in that. That's, God, yeah. this is a very weird guy. Anyway, yeah, that was, that was the update. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. I appreciate it. Um, all right, everyone. That was a good chat. I was able to clarify my stance on multiple dictators. Well, I guess yeah, Orban's a dictator, right? We're going to call him a dictator. It's a safe space. Uh, able to clarify my stance on some dictators, talk about whether Japan or Germany is more perverted, and whine for the eight millionth time about culture war bullshit. So this was another successful episode. Thank you guys for listening. If you like what I'm doing, please tell a friend about it. And I will be doing another one of these soon. In the meantime... I hope you have a good Monday. Bye.